Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Let's get real here. We have all had failed relationships. Some of us have had failed marriages, but I don't want to talk about what led to what made those relationships come to completion or not be in alignment or just not work. I want to talk about what makes a relationship work. And that's what we're going to do in this episode. Jamie Morgan joins me today, and she is a certified life coach and a Gottman Method trained relationship coach. Combining her academic and past personal experiences of her own struggles of failed marriage, Jamie has a huge passion for helping unfulfilled and divorced women thrive in their lives and relationships again through action-oriented coaching. Jamie is now married to the love of her life and lives in Canada with her husband and two sons. So let's talk about what it takes to have a successful relationship. Are you ready to jump in? Jamie, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so grateful to be here. And how are you? I'm doing fabulous today. So when when we got introduced... I looked at all of your stuff and what you were doing. And I'm like, you know what? I have to have this woman on to talk about something that every single woman in the world has um, has impacted their life and its relationships. And I think we've all had at some point in our life a failed relationship, whether it's a marriage or not. Um, something that has gone wrong, something where it broke down, where there may or may not have been fault, where we might have said it was the other person, but you know, what do we own in it too? So I wanted to not talk about all of the relationships that didn't work, but I wanted to talk about how do we make the relationship work that we're in or the next one that we're hoping for um, so that it is a really aligned, healthy, good one. So I'm excited to chat about about all of that. But before we do that, can you just share um, with my audience a little bit of what your story is and how you came to do this specific work? Yes. Well, I am Jamie Morgan. I am a relationship coach and a personal growth coach. But more than that, I work with women who have been through divorce and with couples who want to create what I call easy love. So a connected love that feels like it flows with ease. And, you know, I think that it's totally possible for all of us when we are equipped with the tools and the recognition of knowing exactly what we want our relationship to look like. Yeah. And you're divorced. I am divorced. I'm the relationship coach that is divorced, but also happily, very happily remarried to the love of my oh, life, wow. Justin. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it's maybe been said before, but my divorce was an opportunity and I've, it's been four and a half years, but it's been an opportunity for me to, you know, really, really get decisive on what I want out of my life and my relationship. And I think that that is a huge part of what has made this second marriage that I'm in so different because I've had the experience and taken the time to really get to know who I am, what I want, not just for myself, but what I want in love as well. And 
to challenge myself to learn those skills. And so I love that. I'm twice divorced. And when I started dating again, and I'm currently remarried to the person who is my truly perfect match. Mm -hmm. And when we started dating, though, I was so clear after having those two marriages that Mm -hmm. didn't work as to what I wanted. And on one of our first dates, like I sat there, not physically with a checklist, but I like went through a checklist and I'm like, all right, because one, I I know what I want. I know what my values are. Mm -hmm. And if they don't align, I'm not doing this. And And, you know, I think that that's one of the beautiful things about having a relationship that doesn't work is really figuring out, okay, this is what I need out of a partnership or what I'm looking for. And so if we're going to ever find the silver lining of going through something that's so hard and so painful is that because what's on the other side of that is that you know, can be potentially that really aligned relationship. So that's what we're going to talk about today and talk about how do we find that. So I guess let's just start with, you know, if someone's going through a breakup or a marriage that that fell apart. How do you get past the hurt? Because I hear that over and over again. It's like, I, how do I trust myself to actually love again? I think part of it, and it almost sounds cliche, but it has it has to be a choice. You have to first trust your gut. I think a lot of times we know intuitively when it's not time yet. And when we're still having to, because I think the it's so important to process the feelings, feel the feelings, like, you know, Gabby Bernstein says, you've got to feel it to heal it. And I, I believe it wholeheartedly. So none of this is to say you should rush into, I think you got to follow your path in knowing your timing. But at the same time, when you notice, if you can pay attention and find that resentment, anger, sadness, grief is, is taking over your life in disproportionate amounts. I think that that's a really good signal that it's time to work on letting go. And something that I was, you know, taught years ago by a, by a mentor of mine was that letting go is not the action. It's the result of surrender, of awareness, and also of, of choosing, like of kind of enough is enough. I'm feeling my feelings. I acknowledge the feelings. I have them when they come. And then we choose when we, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. And what do I want moving forward? And I think it's repeating that action over and over, over time leads to a much more graceful sort of entry into this letting go. And all of a sudden you look back and you see how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, for you, does that mean that you don't ever have the pain surface? There's moments or things you hear a song or a date comes up. And that you never have to look back and you're completely healed? No, I think that it, I think that everybody's got their own process, but I think absolutely things come up. And that's the thing. I think we are as human, we're all human. I think we need to feel it, acknowledge it, but also understand the difference between the past and the present. And we have no power over the past. So the more we spend our time focusing our energy and focusing our attention, in what happened and what was and the sadness, I believe in feeling it, but I also believe in recognizing that that is not where our current power is. And what do we want right now? What do we have right in front of us to be grateful for and to look forward to? And I think that yeah. there's, there's real empowerment, like in a, in not, you know, it's powerful, but I like the word empowerment better. It seems more of a positive, po- there's more of a positive to it when we can see it as 
the choice. We're choosing to recognize that the past hurts, but then to use that for something good moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. And I think this is the perfect time as we start talking about moving forward to talk about the tattoo on your wrist that I can see. Is that a butterfly? It is a butterfly. There's a, there's a long story behind this, but it, it's actually <laughs> covered up from a horseshoe that I got that was a terrible tattoo. So the lesson in that is don't just walk into the first tattoo shop you see. <laughs> but the butterfly is, it's transformation. I got it after my yeah. divorce and it means the world to me. And it's just a sign of transforming and becoming more than you ever thought you could be, right? I think post-divorce tattoos should be a thing. Like that's a, you know, like figure out what it is you want. What's that symbol of surviving and getting through something so hard? Because now the next hard thing that you come across, you know, you can survive that too. So I think I am pro post-divorce tattoos. I am too. And I think it's such a powerful time to recreate yourself and get yeah. to know yourself. Maybe you've never done it before. I think so many of us have never really at least I didn't, you know, before my divorce, have that time to really, really get clear on what I want and also to put the work into myself because that is yeah. where our, the most change and the most, you talk about relationships and creating new relationships moving forward, right? I think the most power we have is, is within the work we do on ourselves. And so yeah. in the relationship moving forward, I myself wanted to go into it in such a healthy place and knowing who I, not just knowing who I was, but knowing that I could show up in a new relationship, healthy and grounded and, and knowing, you know, all the stuff that I, I wanted to build this next level of relationship on. So let's talk about that then. Mm -hmm. How, 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 like, should someone, if they're in a relationship now or they're dating, how do they verbalize what it is that they're looking for or want? Because I think that that's, it's easy to say, oh, just say what you want. But I think it's a lot harder when you're in the newness and you're trying to meet somebody and everyone's, you know, on their best behavior. Like, how do you really get clear on what it is you want and convey that, whether it's something new or a current relationship you're in? I think it's about communication. So I work with couples on this all the time is communication. Cause one of the biggest things that happens in relationships where the, where it starts to like fall apart is where there's that disconnect and, and that leads to further lack of communication. And so I think something, when you get into a new relationship, it's a really beautiful place to start is to get off on the right foot communicating and whether it's, it doesn't maybe have to be laid out in a format of like, do you check all my boxes? But in like asking, like, what are your core values? Because I believe that we can figure out whether we're with somebody and dating somebody that is our person that is a match for us pretty quickly within the first little while, if you actually have those deep connected kind of conversations where you're talking about what they're big dreams are and what their desires are. And if you're honest with yourself about the answers, like if yeah, you believe, if they, yeah. be, if you believe them when they tell you who they are, right. 
Because I think that if you can start your relationship off with a really strong sense of communication and and trust in communication, where you can start from the get-go feeling like you can have those difficult conversations right from the beginning. And let's be honest, talking about what our big dreams are and what our fears are and what we want for our life ahead of us, it's pretty big, can feel really scary. And if you can have those kind of conversations right off the bat... And know that that person you're talking with is willing to go there, that they're willing or that they're willing to acknowledge like, geez, I'm not really good at this, but I want to be and I'm willing to learn. Will you help me? Like if you hear things like that, to me, a willingness to want to improve and want to be better. If you've got two people who come together and they genuinely both want to spend their life learning themselves and growing themselves, but doing it side by side with you. That right there to me is like a huge green flag. It's like, yes, okay, this yeah. person has that willingness to go and to recognize that they have faults. Yeah. Yeah. So what if someone's in a relationship, they're in a marriage, there's a disconnect. It happens all of the time. Mm-hmm. I have friends in these marriages, complete disconnection. How do they, can they repair it? How do they even start to reconnect with each other and start having those conversations? Because if you've gone so long, Mm -hmm. if you're 12 years, 15 years in and you haven't had those, like, how do you pick up and just be like, okay, I want to start over. I want to have the conversation we should have had 10 years ago, but we didn't. Well, I'm, I'm Gottman trained. So I maybe am coming off a little biased because with the Gottman method, uh, John and Julie Gottman are a couple out of Seattle who are um, incredible groundbreaking psychologists. And they have created their Gottman method based on scientific studies based over longitudinal, like decades of following couples. So they've created, you know, tools that give couples, like they've studied tools and these tools give couples exactly what they need to make their relationships work. And I guess essentially what they say is that anybody who wants, like if you have two people that want to make their relationship work, they most definitely can. If there's two people who are willing to do these certain, use the tools and do the behaviors, right? They've studied couples and watched their behaviors and the actions that they call them the, the relationship masters, they're the ones whose relationships last over time. So they know what behaviors are involved in that. And opposing to that is the couples that don't, what they're doing, the couples that don't last. And so I really do believe if you have two people that genuinely want their relationship to last over time, that you can, if you're willing to change your behaviors, to learn how to communicate in healthy ways, to turn towards each other, and to really foster that connection and that foundation of friendship, 100%, I think you can make it work. But it takes I'm two. curious. Oh, it definitely takes two. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the Gottman Method and why that's different from any other sort of relationship coaching. To me, I believe it's entirely because it's scientifically based and backed by all the research that they've done. And it's incredible if you watch anything that they've, like anything put on by John and Julie Gottman, it's, they have studied these couples for some of them 30 years, right? In this love, in the love lab in Seattle and had them hooked up from everything from heart rate monitors, there's cameras, there's everything. And they really got it down to a science and I believe John Gottman has stated up to, I, I'm, don't quote me here, but I think it's around 96% of 
accuracy in being able to determine after him working with a couple, if their relationship or marriage will last based on the actions that they're currently doing. That's not to say that that relationship can't be saved if they change their behaviors. But just on the current status, he can, if you continue doing what you're doing, either A, it's going to last or it's not going to last based on those behaviors. And then if you want to implement the tools that they, you know, that they coach people through or that I coach people through, they, they can change that around. You can turn it around. So what is the first, this, that's fascinating because I've never heard of, of them or their method. Um, what is the first thing that you recommend that a couple does who finds themselves like maybe they're on the brink of a breakup, like, mm-hmm. but they, they don't want to give up yet? What's the first thing they can do? To me, like I myself, I've taken what I've learned, right? And I've kind of turned it a little bit into my own. And the thing, I call it the three C's. So I really focus on communication, conflict resolution and connection and sort of break it down from there. I really believe that when couples can communicate and talk to each other in a healthy way, which is often, think about it, we've never been taught these things. We all go to school and we learn important things. We learn math and science and all the things, but we don't learn how to talk to each other. And even in, in relationships, like you kind of led to in the beginning, whether there's all kinds of relationships, not just romantic. So this, the beautiful thing about learning communication, whether it's with your partner or not, it can work for us in so many aspects of life. But so much of it is, is, is not just about what we speak, it's how we listen. And it's our intention going into it. And it's, it's really also for me, I believe the most important work we can do in our relationship is the work we do on ourselves. It's the looking Mm -hmm. inward because the only person we can change is ourselves. And so often it's human nature. I think, you know, it's easier to blame and point a finger and want your partner to change and notice all the things they're doing that are driving you crazy and that you wish they didn't do. That's the easiest part because it's harder to recognize in ourselves what we're bringing to the table. And so I think when two people can recognize that things have gone sideways and we're not heading in a good direction. When people can be honest about that, but also at the same time acknowledge that they want this marriage to last and we do both love each other and they're willing to learn and they're willing to try new things. You know, nothing changes if nothing changes. You can't keep doing the same stuff and expecting your relationship to miraculously just become beautiful overnight. You've got to do something different. And I think it's how we talk to each other. It's how we listen to each other. And it's how we, how we argue because really, you know, relationships include arguing and fighting and that can be normal. And I do believe that we can use our conflict to bring us closer together if we know how to communicate in a healthy way. So it's so interesting on on all of that. I'm a trained mediator and I've always noticed over the years, I mean, these are couples who are breaking up, but I've always noticed that it's usually not about what they're actually arguing over. They just want to be heard Mm -hmm. and they want the other person to acknowledge that. And it's like when that happens, when that other person acknowledges whatever struggle they're having, whatever pain they're having, everything changes. The whole dynamic of that conversation changes just from the acknowledgement. It's not even about the outcome. It's not even about winning the fight or or getting what they want. It's just the acknowledgement. So, I mean, geez, I imagine like you take that to your marriage, your relationship and the wonders, like if you just listen. Because I I mean, how often do people fight and all they're doing is like teeing up their response? They're not actually listening. 
exactly. You're waiting and you're like, are you done yet? Cause I got something to say. And that's one of the things I say to couples is you've got it. And this is also really good. I think for divorced couples who are, who are already divorced and maybe they're co-parenting and, or maybe yeah. they're going through the mediation and they have to communicate, right? It's, you know, showing your partner that you genuinely want to hear what they have to say. So you go into a conversation with a different intention. You go in wanting to understand rather than being understood. And that can be really hard for all of us because there's this fear that rises of like, what about my side? And what about me? Right. Mm -hmm. But when we can trust, which is easier if we're with someone that we really do deeply trust, right? If we can learn to trust and kind of let go a bit and have faith that we will be heard and that our partner genuinely does also want to hear our side. But if we can do that first and show up in that conversation with the intention to understand them better and genuinely want to listen and hear what they have to say, I call it the softening. Like it's almost like you can visually see that other person exhale and almost like melt and relax as they realize they don't have to be defensive. That yeah. it's almost like a, whoa, like they want to hear what I have to say. Okay. Okay. And then it's the energy shifts. And then you can start this upward spiral of communication from a different place. And the cool thing is once you do that and experience that a few times and know that it can happen successfully, it builds more trust and builds more trust. And then you start to get, and that's what's so beautiful when you see that happening with a couple is you see this trust building and then the communication shifts and then more trust builds and then more communication. And it, it builds on itself really organically. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I look at my marriage now and that is like the cornerstone of a success is like the trust that no matter what it is, no matter what the top issue is, no matter if there's a disagreement, it's trusting that if one person brings something to the table, it's going to be received in a really respectful, open way. And rather than, because I've been in those relationships where, you know, no matter if you say something, you know that the reaction is going to be bad. And then what happens is, you know what, I'm better off just not talking about it. I'll bury it. I'll sweep it under the rug because that's easier than having to deal with the reaction I'm going to get. I mean, then it festers and then, you know, it's a down downward spiral. So that trusting your partner to listen with openness, even if they don't agree you know, is a beautiful thing. It really is. And I think that's exactly, exactly what you said is we, we learn over time when it's unhealthy, when our communication doesn't feel safe to avoid it. And we avoid, avoid, avoid. And that is what builds this distance and disconnection and even more dysfunctional communication. And we end up, I think so many of us have probably been there, right? Your listeners can probably attest to when all we talk about is the kids, the schedules or the TV show we're watching. And that's it. You know, it's, it doesn't kind of go much deeper than that because it's not safe. Yeah. It's about, it's about relearning that trust. So what tips do you have for conflict on, for if couples have conflict, what can they do about that? And how can they manage that? Well, first of all, to know it's, to recognize that it's normal. I grew up with parents and I'm so grateful. They didn't fight. So I wasn't exposed to it. So, you know, early on in my relationships, I felt like such a failure because Mm. there was conflict. But when you really think about it in reality, you got two people living together and then adding kids and life and schedules and all the things. Well, yeah, we're not, it's it's not going to be roses and, and, you know, rainbows every day. It's, 
about recognizing, first of all, what is your fighting style? What's your conflict style? Like some people have tempers, some people want to avoid, some people want Mm -hmm. to leave. And a lot of it is based on things from our childhood, what we were, what we learned, how we learned to do it or what worked for us once. So we did it again and again and again, and now it's ingrained in us. So sometimes we have to be willing to acknowledge our style and also acknowledge whether it's working or not working for us and be really like that's again, that's the hard part is within yourself. It's easy to see it in your partner. Look at yourself because that's where you can make the actual change, yeah. right? And then recognizing, for example, if you are in a, in a situation and the conflict is getting heated and your heart rates are going up, well, when your heart rates go beyond 100 beats per minute, you're in fight or flight response. Your blood is no longer going to your brain. It's going to your muscles because we are engineered that way to, you know, back in the day to be able to run from bears to keep ourselves alive. It's not necessarily as functional for in our domestic life now fighting with our partner, but it still happens. So physiologically, the blood isn't going to our brains. And when our blood isn't all going to our brain, we're not thinking straight. So think about that in an argument, in a fight. So often our voices get raised. We start talking faster we start getting really mad and we just want to be heard. Like we were just talking about, we want to get our point across Yeah, and we don't, we don't say what we mean. And we quite often will say awful things and it just gets nowhere. You're just circling and it's getting nowhere good. So the biggest piece of advice for those types of arguments is to take a break and you've got to recognize in yourself and start learning what it feels like when your heart rate's getting up that high. You know, I had a therapist in the past for, for a a relationship therapist and he had to wear a heart rate monitor that would beep every time it got to hundred beats per minute. Cause he really wanted you to physiologically understand what that feels like, what's happening in your body when you get there. So that when you're at home, you know, when you need to say, Hey, I need to take a break. And have kind of a, a plan for it, you know, that plan yeah. for that timeout where you can say you have your script ahead of time because when you're in the heat of the moment, it's going to be hard. So you got to have a routine, a ritual, a script that you say that you you and your partner both understand. I need to take a break. This conversation is important to me. I'll be back in 30 minutes or I'll be back in an hour. Make sure they know you're not you're, you're coming back because it can really be a trigger for a lot of us who have maybe abandonment issues or things. Like if someone's leaving quite often, if you don't know if they're coming back, it can feel really, really triggering, which just escalates things. But to kind of um, have a plan with each other for those, those big fights and then try again and come back in again with intention to communicate in healthy ways, use those communication skills, listen with intent and keep your heart rate low. What do you think about going to bed angry? Is it is it useful sometimes if that's the case where everyone needs to cool down? Do you go to bed angry or do you keep going until the wee hours of the morning to to figure it out? Isn't it? I think it's so funny that you said that. My parents, my parents have both passed, but that was something my dad said to me on my first wedding day. He said that was his, you know, piece of advice at the toast was just don't ever go to bed angry. And I totally disagree. You know, maybe it's an opinion. I believe though, depending on the situation, if it's getting heated and you're going nowhere and you're going in circles, take a break, sleep on it. I honestly think that letting your heart rate come down, having that space, it doesn't mean you have to 
make it harsh or, or, you know, you can kind of just say, I love you. This isn't going anywhere good. Can we just sleep on it? And I promise you we'll talk in the morning, kind of the same idea of what I just talked about. But I do think sometimes that, that, that time and space can give us that chance to come back more as ourselves from a really grounded place and be able to think more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more because when you're in the heat of the moment, you have a lot of times you just want to keep going Mm -hmm. and it never serves any purpose. And if you take that, like my husband and I did that once and we woke up and we were kind of like, well, that was like the silliest disagreement, (laughs) you know? And then it was like, all right. And it just resolved itself very easily because we both just stepped away from it. So I I agree with you. And even after half an hour, and I've been yeah. there, like, I will be the first to admit, I my go-to fighting style is I have a temper, so I'm fire. Mm. And I can be the in the most, like, worst state, so angry, blowing out the harshest words, whatever. Give me half an hour and I can come back and I'll be the first to apologize sometimes. Not always, but you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> the idea of, like, I'll, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what I was thinking. I didn't mean what I said. I was so mad. And I look back, I think we've all done this, right? I look back at some of yeah. the things I've said in fights. Not only am I mean sometimes, I think we all are, but I just say the stupidest things. Like it's like, and that's the yeah. thing too, is we push each other's buttons on purpose, yeah. right? Because we know yeah. who would do it. <laughs> ah, so good. Um, all right. So we're getting to the end of our conversation. Um, but I don't want to leave without asking you a couple more questions. And one of them is what are the top tips that you can give someone who's listening, who says, okay, I want to work on the relationship I'm in and I want to go home to my partner and say, this is something that I want to do. Like, how do they approach that? Like, what's the best? Do they just sit down? Maybe the other person's not ready for it. Like what, what can someone who wants to start do when maybe their partner isn't quite there with them? I think it's acknowledging that this is how you're feeling, not making it about your partner. I think it's owning it. I'm feeling like we really need to do some work, but, and this is, I always think this is the perfect place to start because I think this is where all your power is, but I'm going to really work on myself. Mm. And maybe you're willing to go with me on this journey. Maybe you want to see how it Mm. goes, but I just wanted to talk about it and let you know how I'm feeling. And I'm going to do some real big work on myself and try and figure out why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and what I can do about it. And Mm. whether it's, you know, whether your partner's ready or not, I think that that is the most like powerful place for you to start because that's where you can create real change. Because so often what, irritates us and bothers us within our relationship really is more about us Mm. right it often is mirroring something in us it's triggering something in us and I think it's it's so valuable to really look at that and look at what's happening for us maybe managing our anxiety and digging a bit deeper and I think anxiety is something so many of us can relate to these days and I know when I feel anxious I'm snappy and I'm not the mm-hmm. nicest person, whether it's with my kids or in my relationship, because I'm feeling so uncomfortable within my own skin mm-hmm. and it reflects outwards. And I, I kind of like spew it on everybody else. And, you know, and I think so often we're unconscious of how that's showing up. And it's easy during those times of anxiousness when we're feeling uncomfortable in ourselves that we make it about something it's not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great advice. Jamie, where do we find you? How do people connect with you? What type of programs do you offer for people who want to work with you? Oh, I am at the Jamie Morgan on Instagram and Facebook. And then of course I have a free private Facebook group and it's the abundant life. And within that group, I do a lot of meditations because I do believe whether it's relationship or whether it's the personal growth work, that the best place to start is getting quiet within and really kind of learning these tools of scanning our body and all these kind of things. So all of my free meditations are in there. I do really focus right now a lot on one-on-one work. And every now and then I'm doing group programs, whether it be for women who have gone through divorce or women who want to attract new love into their life. And then of course, for couples. So definitely just to see all the things that are going on. Find me at at the Jamie Morgan on Instagram. All right. Final question. Mm -hmm. What does winning mean to you? Oh my gosh. Winning is happiness. It's when we feel fulfilled. And for me, I will like truly feel like I have won in life when I feel lit from within and just truly most authentically like myself. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I so value all of your your input and your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time. And remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.